Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Russ M. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 21st, 2022. Today we're reading how the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, more about alcoholism, page 36, the third paragraph. Thus started one more journey to the asylum, ending with that he could take whiskey if only you mix it with milk we're reading that one paragraph all right today's readers are the 12 steps Anne marie m 12 traditions nancy r reading the text is janice pm page 164 barbara a newcomer readers christina l second hour host is betsy h reference numbers for yesterday thursday october 20th 2022 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 19,539, 1, 5, 10 a.m. Eastern is 19,540, 19,540. OA Preamble. A Reader's Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supported through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and the carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, now we'll have Anne-Marie Ann, Read the 12 steps. Good, good morning. This is Anne-Marie M. in South Carolina, gratefully recovered through God's grace and by working the 12 steps of OA. The 12 steps of OBE is anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our life had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when they are wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to, to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Anne Marie. Next up, we have Nancy Orbit's 12 Traditions. 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Russ M. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy R., a compulsive overeater in New York. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Uh, grateful to do the service. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Nance. Appreciate it. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share, stop and share when it was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep a share for approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Lost my spot. I apologize. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Okay, today we're, we resume our study in the big book. We're more about alcoholism, page 36, the third paragraph, and it starts with, thus started one more journey to the asylum, reading through an ending with that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. And we're just reading that paragraph. 
All right. So I'm going to ask Janice PM to start us off with the reading today. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ross M. This is Janice PM, recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. Here was the threat of commitment, the loss of family and position, to say nothing of that intense mental and physical suffering which drinking always caused him. He had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic, yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey if only he mixed it with milk. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, do I remember uh, those ideas that I had. Foolish, foolish ideas that I had. Like Jim, I would think, well, yeah, I can put... uh, uh, whatever I did, mix, mix some concoction uh, that I thought, well, that was my judgment was very, very poor, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, sometimes I knew it was poor and I still did it. <laughs> it it's just unbelievable, my mind. Um, I never went to a, well, I shouldn't say treatment center because I went to many groups to lose weight and learn how I could stop once and for all. So my asylum was many diets, many treatments on my own, you know, maybe um, wire my teeth. Uh, but it's all the same thing. That asylum was a place. Um, but my, I did many treatments here. And, and even though I knew the results, even though I knew, gee, I'm going to get diabetes. Well, yeah, okay, I'll do it for a week. And then it would stop. The loss of my husband, he was getting disgusted with me. I was spending a lot of money on food and then throwing it away because I didn't use it. And uh, But to say nothing of that torture that I had, did it anyway. See, did it anyway. The message of this paragraph, which, is, which we read and which I hear a day after day, the message that I had much knowledge I had a lot of knowledge about myself as a compulsive overeater. And then I came into uh, OA and they, and like Jim, the knowledge of steps one, two, and three. Oh, I got it now. I know the physical allergy. That's what it is. I can't eat until it, you know, it's going to start craving. And, uh, but the mental obsession, I had all kinds of reasons. But you see, for not drinking, for not eating certain foods, But my mental obsession took over. Now, in favor of the foolish, foolish idea, my judgment. So with me, I can just summarize by saying, you know, I have the thought. The thought comes into my head. Do I think about pausing and making a decision? No. Right away, I make the decision. That, you know, okay, it seems like a good idea. And then I act upon it. So, you see, that's the process. From my thought to not making a decision because forever mental obsession, my mental obsession was in my head that "Mm, someday, somehow, I'll beat this illness and I'll be able to control it. 
That's the message. That's the great obsession that I've had. And that's the time. And I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. So now we're going to open it up for sharing on this passage. And although we value your experience, we ask that you then to share it every third day so others can share their experience too. So who would like to share on this? Two answers in Philadelphia. Jackie. Loretta H. Yeah. Loretta, Loretta H. Loretta. And then I got Jackie. Priscilla. Christina L. Pris- was it Priscilla? Yes. Priscilla. Carmella G. Uh, I think we got Christina L. And then Carmella. Callie uh, uh, I got a Linda. Is it Linda? Callie C. All right. All right, Callie C. This this is pretty good list. So we got Sue Ann. I got to get the initial of your first uh, last name. Loretta H. Jackie A. Priscilla H. Christina L. Carmela Jean. Callie C. All right, Sue Ann, you're up. Hi, my name is uh, Suan W. I just want to say that this this um, really speaks to me um, because I know that when I have the thought to overeat, um, my obsession takes over, and I just ignore the fact that I already know that when I wake up, I do this in the middle of the night, that I wake up, I feel bad about myself, and I do it anyway. I know that this is not good for me. I know this isn't really what I want to do, and the question is, why do I do things I really don't want to do? So, um, as I said, this passage really speaks to me. Thank you for allowing me to do this service, and thank you for your service. Thanks, Sue Ann. Next up is Loretta H., followed by Jackie A. Thank you, Russ, and Thank you, everybody on this line. Loretta H. Recovered, who, along with my precious God, is saving my life. So um, on my last share, I said that this was Ralph F. And his story in the first edition is the prodigal, another prodigal story. And in the story, he actually, I told you last week I don't like milk, but he actually adds ice cream to a milkshake and that's how he drinks it and I'm like oh my god I do did do that and especially in my diet days um, I used a lot of potions and concoctions you know thinking that if I only did that it wouldn't um, make me fat and of course that's the insanity and I have a spiritual malady, not a food problem. And the insanity of it is that um, also I never went to, well, my company did send me to treatment in the 80s for anorexia because I was in OA and I actually got very, very anorexic because I was not told I had a spiritual malady. I just was told I have a food problem. Today, with God's grace and mercy, 
my abstinence is spiritual. I know that's controversial. My food plan is a tool. I still, after 21 plus years, text my food so that I'm accountable and honest. It is a tool. It goes with the abstinence. It, both of them have to be there. And so anyway, um, long story short, I have to always remember that my thinking thinking could get me here anytime because I'm only recovered for the this 24 hours and whoever got up the earliest is the most abstinent because it is a one day at a time program so for today i am recovered never cured in god's grace and mercy and i don't take ice cream in my milkshakes and with that i pass thanks loretta next up is jackie a followed by priscilla h Hi, Ross. Hi, everybody on the line. Thank you so much. This is Jackie A. from Connecticut, um, compulsive eater and abstinent for today. Actually, today's 136 days since June 7th when I worked my last step. Um, well, no, I've done my steps twice um, since then, but been abstinent since then and completely. So I like this because it talks about one more journey to the asylum. So Folks of you know on the line that have known me for a bit that I'm the type two, one, two, three uh, type of addict. And I knock on the, my wood table every day that I've never stepped foot into an asylum as a patient. Hope not yet, hope not ever. And um, and so I look at that as like how the, the obligation slash promises on page 88, like I don't want to be reckless irritable, discontent. I don't want those things for my life. I don't think God wants them either. I know enough to know that that's not going to help me and that's not acceptable in recovery. When I look to like this threat of commitment, loss of family, possessions, I've had all of those before in my life. I've, ha- I've been homeless with no possessions. I've been homeless with possessions and a dog. Um, and I And I'm a professional in this field. It's hilarious. And I really just look at it like higher power doesn't give two shits about a title. It doesn't to me. It doesn't give two shits about my social status, my moral status. It cares if I want to do their will or not and and where they see me fit to be. And so if I give myself over my physical suffering, my mental suffering, I get that alleviation. I get that neutrality. And um, did I have knowledge about myself as an addict? Yes. Did I care enough about to do something about it? No, no, I didn't. I didn't care enough at the time. Um, this is going back to pre-recovery, September 6, 2021, last year, where all the reasons for not drinking were easily pushed to favor for a foolish idea. I'm bipolar. I live in foolishness, unmedicated. I live in foolishness um, to my silly own making when I'm not taking life. Uh, lightly and serious at the same time. Other people's needs have to be serious in the sense that they're in determination of their own self. I have to say my hula hoop today, and I'm going to end with this. Today's my last day at my job, and it was a big decision. And um, and I'm doing this for my health. I'm doing this for for to prevent future burnout based on knowing who I am now, knowing what's healthiest for me, and knowing that there's more for me just around the corner starting Monday 
And, and I would only know that if I was abstinent. I would only know that if I were in the steps and being truthful in my time oh. steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you all for keeping me sober. Bye. Thanks, Jackie. Next up is Priscilla H., followed by Christina L. Hi, everybody. Um, this is Priscilla H., grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater, physically recovered and mentally and spiritually and emotionally and interpersonally recovering, but never, never cured. This I know today. <clears throat> and I, I never um, gave a lot of thought to um, this story before. I couldn't have told you the man's name. I've always just thought of him as the guy with the whiskey and the milk. Well, what was my, what was the whiskey in my milk? Ah, for me, I have come to believe that it was artificial sweeteners. That may not be the case for everybody else, but for me, uh, artificial sweeteners, I grew up on them. My mother somehow apparently knew that um, either that I liked sugary foods too much or that sugary foods weren't that good for us. And besides, when I was a child during World War II, sugar was rationed, but saccharin tablets were available. And so the iced tea that Southerners uh, lived on back then was uh, was sweetened with saccharin tablets at our house. So um, I think that, so I used artificial sweeteners, and then when the the pink and the yellow and the blue and the green packets came along. I, I enjoyed those along with the saccharin tablets every day, massive amounts of artificial sweeteners. And I do think it probably may have saved me from morbid obesity to use those artificial sweeteners. But there's a big but. What it did was it kept my craving for sweet alive. Apparently the pleasure center in my brain where addiction happens doesn't really know the difference between sugar and artificial sweeteners. And so my use of those kept my addiction alive. And God said to me, God said to me pretty recently through the words of another person, get rid of the artificial sweeteners. And so I did. And today the only thing that goes into my mouth that is sweet at all is uh, fruit, and if it's sweet, I eat it and love it and enjoy it. But if it's if it isn't the least bit sweet, I eat it anyway because that's what I was scheduled to eat today. So thanks for letting me share. I hope that speaks to somebody else who may have the same um, condition that I had about artificial sweeteners. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Priscilla. All right, if you jumped on a little later to the meeting, I just want to let you know where we're at. We're on page 36, uh, more about alcoholism, third paragraph. Um, that, that part where, <laughs> just pulling it up, I'm sorry. Uh, thus started one more journey to the song, and uh, we just read that paragraph. So next up is Christina L. followed by Carmela G. Good morning, Russ. 
Good morning, everyone. Christina L. Recovered compulsive overeater from Florida and echoing, definitely not cured. Um, whiskey in the milk. Well, it wasn't whiskey in the milk for me, but it was salt and butter in a kitchery, um, which is like a a healthy stew, <laughs> I guess. Um, and uh, that was what it was for me. I was trying to reflect on, you know, what was the whiskey in the milk before I came in the program, but I'm not really, I'm not really um, coming up with anything. But the last few days that we've been on these two, on in this, the stories, um, that is what came up to me. And I really believed that if I put salt and um, ghee, which is clarified butter, in this kitchery, because someone who used to be bulimic said that, you know, a little bit won't hurt me. And I believed her because, well, she was bulimic and now she's not practicing bulimia anymore. I'm not bulimic, but I, I, I trusted it and stuff and um, believed that a little bit wouldn't hurt me. And then a little bit became a little bit more. And then the next time, a little bit more. And before I knew it, I was right back to where I was. It wasn't, you know, artificial sweeteners for me or, or the sugar because I knew that I couldn't have that. It was the salt, the salt and the butter. Um, two things that, you know, enhance the flavor of my food. Um, the butter brings back that comfort feeling from childhood of, you know, butter being put on everything and um, that richness. And um, the salt just enhanced everything else. And that was the whiskey and the milk for me. And it, it was very, very slow. It wasn't... Um, it was a, a nine month process, I would say, before I actually went back into the food from the time the thought came into my mind when I was, you know, told that, you know, you can do this. It's only a little bit and stuff. Coming from someone who is clearly not a compulsive overeater like I am. So today I'm very grateful that I, I know um, that I can't even have just a little bit. Um, because what happens is my mind thinks, well, you know, just like it says in the story, you know, well, I had a little bit, it didn't bother me, it went so well, so I'll have it again, and again, and again, so anyway, that's all I really got to share, thanks so much for um, everybody else's shares, and really um, just loving this uh, chapter that we're in right now, and hearing it again, and um, with that, I pass. Thanks, Christina. Next up is Carmela G, followed by Callie C. Thank you so much, Russ, and thank you, everyone, for being on the line, for those who've shared, and all those who are listening. I've been listening to Jim's story all week and thinking, um, this is the first time what's coming out for me while I'm reading it is not about the whiskey and the milk for Jim. It's about denial, not admitting that he was angry, that he was on top of that mountain running that business, and all of a sudden he was reduced to being a car salesman. How did this ever happen to him? The ego 
is resentments. And I thought about how every single day, yes, the food is down, but if I don't look inside of Carmela and get into my heart and make sure that I am no longer denying and lying to myself, I will be back in the food and back up those scales. So this is the lesson that I've learned this go-round by reading, Jim. And each time we read the story, maybe another lesson comes through. And um, I just thought I would share those thoughts because it was an epiphany for me to realize you got to work all the steps. You've got to be honest. Step one, you must rely on that higher power, and my ego must be smashed, and I must live in humility and kindness and be joyful. And through gratitudes, I see joy. So with that, I pass, and thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks, Carmela. Next up is Callie C., and then we'll take another list. Hi, good morning. This is Callie C. I um I loved it when I read this for the very first time and I'm loving reading it with you all again. My my favorite part of that actually happened my favorite part of that paragraph actually comes before the whiskey and the milk. He had it starts with he had much knowledge about himself as an alcoholic. Yet all reasons for not drinking were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that he could take whiskey only if he drinks it with milk. The reasons, the reasons will get us every time. We create all sorts of reasons that are fleeting, they're fast, they they just they pop into our mind. We're not even barely aware that they're there. We're, we barely can hear that little voice inside our head that you know, all, that comes up with all of these reasons that um, we, I mean, we have, he has reasons for not drinking, but we have reasons why it's okay for us to um, to consume whatever it is that we're about to consume. And they're so, they're so tiny, but there's another still small voice that's way more powerful than the little voice inside her head. And that's the voice of God. And um, I I made up this this cute little thing that to me it's cute. It's um, when when children are are taught in school how to put out a fire if they happen to catch if their clothes happen to have to catch on fire. They tell them to stop, drop, and roll. And I made up um, stop, drop, and run. Just run to pray to to God. You know, just stop right there. Take a deep breath drop the food and and run and pray to him, he who is way more powerful, whose little small voice is as thunder and way more powerful than our little small voice can ever be. Um, and whatever reasons our little small small voice comes up with for pushing the the sanity, those reasons aside, that can be overcome if we just pray. And thank you for listening with that I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. All right. 
So we are on page 36, third paragraph, uh, more about alcoholism. Thus started one more journey to the asylum. And uh, if you'd like to share, please limit your share. If you share it. on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, give other people a shot to share. So that's Scott, Scott S. Anne Maria. So I got Scott, I got Pete. I think I got Anne Marie. Sheila. Joanne. Nancy from Arkansas. Sheila B. Nancy, there's the, hold on one second. David M. Holly D. David M. Joanne P. Paul. Jo, uh, Joanne P. Sheila B. Yes. Okay. I think that's, I think we're going to go with this. Okay. I, I'm going to need this. The, uh, the first initial of last names here. I got Scott. I got PP. I got an N. I got Joanne P. I have a Nancy from Arkansas. I didn't get your first initial of your last name. David M. Lee Polly B. So Scott, you're up. Let me know where you're from and the first initial of your last name. Hi, this is Scott S. in Florida. Grateful recovering compulsive overeater. So I spent a lifetime dealing with food and diets where I was white knuckling and trying not to eat this and trying not to put myself in front of this food. And, and, you know, I failed miserably every single time. Didn't matter what program I was in, even a certain 12 step recovery program I was in when it was all about the food, I failed miserably. It just, and I could, it was just baffling to myself. I did everything I was supposed to do and I gained weight. I did everything I was supposed to do and I binged. Why? Because it isn't about the food. It's about my head. When I'm thinking about going and binging, what else is going on in my head that's putting me there? It's not the food calling to me. It's the buildup of emotions. It's the mental twist. That's what's calling to me. It's my unresolved issues in my life that I'm not dealing with. That's what's pushing me because the food is the last of my problems. When my head isn't on straight, that's what's creating my addiction and pushing me to compulsively overeat. This program, this story teaches me that unless I'm in fit spiritual condition, unless I have a higher power, and I turn my will over to that higher power, and I'm working the steps, the food will get me every single time without fail. It will be relentless, and it will finally kill me. The only way I can get abstinence in this program where I have true recovery is to deal with my mental state, deal with my spiritual connection to a higher power, then and only then can I be neutral around my food. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Scott. Next up is PP, followed by Ann. Thanks, Russ. My name's Pete. I spoke for Eager Recover today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. It's good to hear you in service. And this is... Uh, you know, it, how lucky is Jim? Wow, he's so he 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 gets to have his character and his motivations uh, assessed by all of us recovery experts, right? We get we get to break down 
Jim's approach to, 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 to what his day was. He, he, put him, he put himself out there. Good for him, right? You know, Jim's story, the, the, the important thing here is, right, Jim's story, for anybody that may be sitting in one of these rooms, Jim's story is relevant because it's relatable. We can relate to the circumstance that Jim is in. But because it's relatable, that doesn't mean that we have figured out what Jim's motivations were based upon my experience or based upon the experience that those about me, you know, tell me what the issues are. Right? We relate. We, we, we've never been Jim. We don't know what was going on with Jim. The very, very, very next paragraph is going to context what was going on here. It's going to talk about the lack of proportional consideration about the significance of his illness. He wasn't, he was, if, if, if the buildup of, of his emotions and his resentments and his fears or whatever his state of mind was, was significant at the time, well, you know, he was separated from the power. He was preoccupied with that and minimized his condition and took a drink as mindlessly as somebody that doesn't have the condition would do. Right? All those other, all those other things, those are just excuses. Rationale, which ultimately led to picking up poison. No, there's no rationale. The book calls our condition phenomena, which means we know it exists. We don't know why it exists. Right? We have to stop this thinking that if we can only reconcile our past and only reconcile our present, that we're going to be okay. Well, Jim, it was reconciled. He was aware of it. And he was not okay because he had this fatal condition and he ingested the substance that caused the phenomenon of craving, which we cannot do under any and all conditions. Right? It wasn't because he... We had, it wasn't because he didn't assemble a mental defense. There is no mental defense. We have but one hope. That is to be entirely abstinent, abstinent and to have a spiritual experience as a result of working these steps. Right? If Jim didn't pick up the milk, I mean, didn't pick up the drink, put the whiskey in the milk, he wouldn't have got the phenomenal craving. He wouldn't have gone to the asylum. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Next up, I believe it was Ann. I just didn't get the first initial of your last name. Hi, Russ. This is Ann Marie M. And I think oh, I, uh, I, so I, okay. Go ahead. Thank you. Okay, this is Ann Marie M., a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, through God's grace and working the 12 steps of OA, I'm just uh, very grateful. Um, what I got out of it was... Um, I kind of lost my place here. Uh, I'm going to relate to what, uh, relate to Jim. Um, he had knowledge. That's what cut me. I had a lot of knowledge so many times. Um, I've been through the steps, started with working the big book um, in OA in 2008, um, got recovered in 2020, but I, it started in 1988. Um, started my first meeting in 1988. Uh, started working the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous for OA in OA in 2008 and then um, 2020. I, I, so 
I really had a lot of knowledge. By by 2020, I had a lot of knowledge, but that did not help me at all. Um, what was what was uh, holding me back was being um, reliant on self, and it goes back to that paragraph where he says, um, "I had a few words with the boss. Nothing serious." For me, that was taking back my will and not, and relying on self. Oh, it's nothing serious. I'm not going to deal with that. You know, I'm recovered now. I don't need to do a 10-step. Do I need to pray about it? Hey, God, I got this, you know. Um, and that didn't work. I needed to, um, just like uh, other people have said uh, throughout this meeting, the um, the feelings, the emotions that I didn't want to deal with or that I did deal with, but I dealt with them by myself. God has put many human angels in my life, but I was not relying on them. I wasn't relying on God. I was relying on self that I could handle it. And that was a, that was a big problem. Um, it was the, the, emo, the buildup of human emotions, the buildup of um, having a few words with the boss, so to say, and then not dealing with it. So, um, that for me is uh, what really came out in this paragraph for me is, is all the knowledge that I had that it, it didn't help. Um, I had to I have to work all the steps, you know. And um, you know, ten, eleven, and twelve is four through nine, basically, you know. And dealing with my character defects, getting you know, being aware of what my part is in it. That's a big deal. <laughs> That's a big, and I'm so grateful that I can see that now. I do a lot less ten steps than I've ever done before. I see what my character de- I see what my part is in it. You know, I ask God to help. You know, I'll talk to somebody about it. I'm just so grateful for this program, um, for OA, and mostly for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll pass. Thanks. Perfect time. All right, Amory, thank you. Next up is Joanne P., followed by Nancy from Arkansas. Hi, Morning. this is Joanne B. Oh, sorry. No, it's Joanne. Go ahead, Joanne. This is your, your spot. Okay, thanks. Hi, this is Joanne B. from New York. Um, I just wanted to share that um, um, I think that for me, uh, I relate to the fact that I know in the last paragraph is when the thought crossed his mind that putting some whiskey in the milk would be a good idea. And then once he started down. Joanne, we lost you, star one. Or maybe it's me. Hi, can you hear me? You there? Hi. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I I'll just make it short. Um, I just I just wanted to relate to the fact that that fleeting thought that he had that crossed his mind. Um, I relate to that. And when that fleeting thought that happened in the last paragraph of putting the whiskey in the milk, um, it just is an indication to me when I have a fleeting thought about food 
but I need to really look inward. Um, and I think he was so new um, and out there in the countryside, and he, he chose not to do that. I choose to do that today, and I choose to pray and contact another OA member um, when I have thoughts like that, um, and then do a 10-step. That's all I wanted to share. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Joanne. So let me let you know where we're at. More about alcoholism, page 36, the third paragraph. And we're just reading that paragraph. All right, next up is Nancy. And I didn't know if, uh, I didn't get the first initial of your last name. Hi, this is Nancy C. from Arkansas. I'm also overeater. This paragraph <clears throat> and the preceding one, <clears throat> excuse me, really spoke to me. I'm a returning member after decades of being away. I've been back about four and a half months. I have not been able to put together more than five days of abstinence since I've been back. Um, I I joined OA back in the mid-80s. I lost 115 pounds and kept it off for five years. Long story short, I left the program, gained all the weight back, plus a lot, didn't want to come back to OA, stayed away for decades, and just came back about four and a half months ago. And coming back has been so hard. When I lost all that weight first time, I had pink cloud abstinence. It was perfect abstinence. I had one slip up in ten and a half months. The rest of the time, there was not a bite that went back past my mouth, not even a cough drop. This time, I don't know where I'm at. This, he's, we talk about his thinking about putting the whiskey in the milk, or the milk in the whiskey, or which, however it goes. Um, I don't even think. Yesterday, I had five days of abstinence, and... I got into self-pity because of a a serious situation that's arising. And I knew I was in self-pity, but I really didn't know what to do about it. And I went and had my uh, OA-approved snack, but I was still hungry. So I just grabbed something to eat. And then I was still hungry, so I grabbed something else, and I blew it. And, you know, I didn't care. And I I don't think I thought about it. It, The food was there, so I just grabbed it. It was like a reaction more than a thought, a premeditated thought. It was just a a reaction to the food being there, so I'm going to eat it. And it's very frustrating. I know I'm working with my sponsor. I know I have to separate things out so that... I do have a thought before grabbing something. Um, And if I can get that thought clear, then I can uh, make a phone call or talk to my sponsor or or do some writing. I'm working almost all the tools. I'm just struggling. And I really understand this paragraph, these paragraphs that, uh, they really spoke to me because, you know, when you're in the food, you just don't care. And I didn't care. Time. 
thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nance. Next up is David M. David, star one. Can I, can I be heard? Yep, got you. Hi, everybody. Thank you for uh, sticking me in. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I wanted to share today. I usually don't share. Um, I think pretty well. Um, I had an issue happen last night in my relationship, and uh, it was kind of setting me over the edge, and then, and, you know, it's really, it's really, it's really, uh, yeah, it's, I definitely relate to uh, the, um, the whiskey, the milk, and the, the whiskey and the milk, and, um, you know, it's just, you know, definitely the trust of the mind, and uh, it was is my emotions that, that really, like, led me to this, because this, this, uh, like, almost like a meltdown, kind of this anger, just, you know, like, not knowing what to do with these emotions, and, and, um, listen, I, I had a taste of choice that I really didn't want to do, and, um, I was really, uh, I guess having a mental, emotional tantrum over, uh, of a decision that I had to make, and I just didn't really want to make it, and I felt like I was forced to make it in a way that, in a way, I, I knew it was the right thing to do, but I didn't want to do it, and I was just like, I didn't know how to deal with that. So I was just like, I, I went to the food, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm ashamed of it. And, uh, you know, I, I feel horrible for it, and, and you know, I have to start start again, go to the steps, and, and uh Start over and come back. You know, you, like my sponsor says, you fall forward, you fall, and you keep going. You won't, you won't, uh, you know, you keep getting up. And, um, yeah, uh, so anyway, that's it. That's all I'm going to pass. I appreciate it. Thanks, David. Next up is Tali B, and then we'll see if we can, uh, We'll see if we can squeeze one more. Hello, everyone. Sure this is Polly yeah. D, like dog, from a recovering right. compulsive overeater from Kentucky. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Okay. Um, every day I listen to this meeting, and I usually share in the 8 o'clock hour. Every single day I get something I relate to. Every single day I gain deeper understanding into this condition of compulsive overeating and the solution. And the other day I had the experience, I love Jim's story like everyone else and I relate to it. Someone said something about, for him, it was honey and tea, honey in tea. And I exclaimed aloud, that's me, because in my first big buckle, which fell apart and I had to get another one, I had written in the margins, honey and tea next to the whiskey and milk scene. And I, that's what I love. And and the other, the thing that that drew me besides that to this paragraph is intense mental and physical suffering. I have felt intense mental and physical suffering over this affliction. But what the lie in my head will say is, you're not that bad. 
why? And I always want to speak to the newcomer who's wondering if they qualify. If you had looked at me, weight going up and down within five pounds, 10 pounds, maybe 15 or 20 at the most for years, for decades. Along with that, intense mental suffering such that at one point I had a suicidal um, kind of cry for help and wound up in a hospital and ended up in the eating disorders unit. And yet I wasn't a bulimic vomiting, you know, many times a day. I didn't weigh 300 pounds. I wasn't anorexic to the point of, you know, they're worried about whether I would live. But I related to the intense mental and physical suffering that we hear on these lines every single day. I belong here. Someone calls who I am a high bottom. I don't see it that way. For me, I would get so despairing over my cycles of binging and self recrimination that I wanted to die. But if you looked at me, you'd say, yeah, she could stand to lose a little weight. I saw a picture recently from college years and I was kind of shocked at, you know, kind of, I looked fat, but now my, I don't even think about my weight stays the same. I go away. I'm not eating the same food. I travel for work. I come home. At some point I weigh myself. My, my weight's the same thing. Always the same thing. Even with different food, the same thing. That's a huge blessing, but it's not the outside that matters. It's that my insides relate to your insides. Every day I, I, I identify in, I hear something, I learn something, I have something that I'm thinking about throughout the day. I write something down that someone says. And it doesn't matter whether we're 700 pounds or, as I said, anorexic or, you know, bulimic. I was a bit of an exercise bulimic, I will say that. Um, we relate. And I am so grateful for this program, for this meeting, and for all of you. Have a blessed and excellent day, everybody. Thanks, Polly. You're going to be our last year. And we thank everyone who shared, everyone who did service on this meeting. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. So today's share ID, Friday, October 21st, 2022, 7 a.m. meeting. 19,542, that's 19542. All right, we will now close the reading with the, with a reading from the book, uh, meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by a serenity prayer. Will Barbara E. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, everyone. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us 
we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.